everybody, it's Corey Mosley, and this is the Fearless Entrepreneurship Podcast, strategy, testimony, and real talk for all things entrepreneurship. And it starts right now. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another edition. You know where you are. You know what you're listening to. It's the Fearless Entrepreneurship Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Mosley. I've got another great guest for you. Today, we are talking about some hot-button terms, partnerships, scaling, hypergrowth, culture, all these things that go on inside a business that is growing. And I've got a guy today who he's certainly in a growing business. He's a co-founder of a business that's growing. So it was the perfect guest at the perfect time because a lot of times we think about small business and yes, solopreneurs, small teams, you know, people that have five, six, seven people that, you know, are, are trying to do high six figures or seven figures. But within that small business community, you know, by definition, is how about when you go from a 10-person team or a 15-person team and now you become a 200-person team? All of the things that go along with that, the difference between a million dollars and $10 million or $30 million in business, there's that whole scale period. So I've been getting questions about that you know, as we have been producing our episodes. Hey, Corey, love the small business stuff, love the solopreneur stuff, love some of these small teams, but you know what? My business is doing well. I've got a team of 20 30 people. I mean, we're really, you know, we're, we want to hit the stratosphere. We want to grow. And I'm scared. I'm scared about growing and what that looks like and how that may change my culture. I'm scared about taking on a partner or having a financial equity position with somebody or I'm considering going into business. So I want to answer some of those questions. I've got a, I, I got a great guest. I, I don't know. If he, he does great impressions. I'm going to bring him on in a second. He's probably smiling right now before I bring him in. But, you know, I don't. we might get some impressions out of him. Who, who knows where this conversation is going to go? My guest today is Tim Cox. He is co-founder of a company called Car Now. Now, this is one of the fastest growing companies in the digital retailing space right now. They're winning awards everywhere. They're having rapid growth. Tim is not only the co-founder, but he's actually leading the sales team. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic to talk about the operations and sales side, but he's leading the sales team right now. And they have amassed over 4,000 dealer customers in their six or just about six short years in business. They're coming up on six right now, 4,000 customers. Now, he started his career uh, originally in the automotive industry, but they are killing it now with this technology company and uh, winning a bunch of awards and growing, growing, growing. Tim Cox, thank you for joining the show today. Corey, it's, uh, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, I tell people you, uh, I love, I've listened, I've learned uh, from multiple podcasts that you have done. And uh, I am just honored and humbled to, uh, to take a few minutes to chat with you today for sure. Man, I'm so happy to have you on. I know things are are, are super busy over there, but I wanted to. Uh, I I was thinking about who we get those questions. I've covered partnerships early on a little bit, and probably our first season we talked a little bit about partnerships, and it was kind of like you know bad partnerships uh, and and some of the pitfalls of that. But we were getting this feedback about you know hey bigger companies. You guys, what, what have you guys got? About 200 employees now. Where are you at now? 
let's let's call it there. Yeah, it's, it's, okay. we we passed the the, the two hundred mark and oh. approaching more. Um, All right, two hundred yeah. plus. Yeah, two hundred plus. plus. You got two hundred we'll plus. So, so yeah. So it was like, what's that? Start thinking about that sweet spot where now it's it's no longer it's something bigger than you. It's something bigger than what you you know had not necessarily thought it was going to be, but it's beyond that management, right? It's beyond that point where you you obviously don't know everything that's going on with two hundred people, right? So it's that scale point that you get to reach. So. Tell me a little bit about, from a background standpoint, this partnership idea. How did this idea of the company come together? And then where does the, you know, the co-founder type role and partnership role, what made you consider doing something like that? And, and you know, what were maybe your concerns early on as we have some listeners who may be going down that road right now? Talk, talk to me about that piece, your transition to getting involved in a technology company, your background, and how kind of the idea of a partnership came together. Sure. I mean, I, I've been in the automotive space uh, since 1989, since I was 17 years old, and uh, started, had a few breaks in between doing, doing some other things. But, uh, you know, I was uh, a sales manager at a Lexus dealership in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, my partner, Andy Park, uh, we have several other partners, but uh, how it came together uh, he's a serial entrepreneur, uh, done done very well with uh, another software company, Blade Logic. Uh, they got acquired in 2008. And he really, you know, uh, was dabbling in some things in the automotive space, intrigued him. So he literally walked into my office uh, and ironically enough, pulled to the side of the road because he was just going dealership to dealership, was not getting a lot of bandwidth, pulled over the side of the road, started going to dealerships, looking for younger looking managers. So that's mm. how he literally picked me. And I uh, was talking to, I was on that list that day and he went to the, my receptionist and said, I'm here to see Tim Cox. She said, do you have an appointment? He said, no, I just want to pick his brain. So long story short, uh, we had a great conversation that day. And one thing, what, led what to made another, you say yes? What made you say yes to the meeting? Because I mean, you're in charge of this operation. You got people, I'm sure cold calling you all day, trying to sell you products. What made you say yes to that? You know, I don't know. Uh, I, I really don't know. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad I did. Um, you know, I, I, I really don't know. Cause it was, it was on a Saturday. Oh, wow. Uh, ironically enough, I, I had, uh, I had, uh, and you, you might get a little chuckle out of this, but I had recently cut my thumb off and, uh, I had gone through surgery, surgery and I was, uh, I was on Percocet and, uh, legally not allowed to drive. Uh, that's a true story. Legally not allowed to drive. And so I would have a salesperson. I live 52 miles away from the dealership. I'd have oh, a wow. salesperson come pick come pick me up and take me to, to the dealership because I was one of those old hard, hard, you know, hardcore guys, uh, back in the day, I'd never called in work in 30 years and I let everybody know about it and I wasn't going to let cutting my thumb off, you know? So, so that was that guy. So maybe it had to do something with the per Percocet cause I was in a really good mood while I took that uh, meeting, but let's just say that, uh, that it happened, and uh, I'm so, very, very so, grateful for it. So, a, so a word to our <laughs> listeners, uh, you know, who are defeat, you know, who who get defeated with cold calling or prospecting, or you know, don't give up, and always also look for potential prospects who might be on drugs that day. <laughs> is that <laughs> is that a good life lesson? That <laughs> Corey, look, look, I don't know if that's as classy as you want, but you asked me to be real, and uh, that, that's about as real. As I, I like can it. Get. I like it. So, so you have what I love is the organic nature because I think it's important for our audience to really understand that. 
sometimes th- everything's not tactical, right? Sometimes right. Right. relationships start organically. Some, you know, because there are people who are like, I'm going to find a partner or I'm going to, I, they're very intentional about what they, what they want to happen. But sometimes the best relationships, the best scenarios, the best, how did you come up with that? How did you come up with the idea for this company? Some of these best moments are so organic. So I really want people I always try to find lessons in every story, every every comment my guest makes. I try to drill that down in this bullet point, but I think it's great to to not ignore the idea of how sometimes things could just happen organically and lead to success. So you get in this relationship, you obviously hit off, you, you hit it off um, in some capacity in terms of whatever you guys were talking in terms of technology and those types of things, and you decide to to start this relationship. What are you thinking at this point? Had you had any history with co-founding or partnerships or what were your what was what was it about you and who you are as a person and and kind of the way what makes you tick that made it even something you would consider because you weren't exactly you you weren't exactly like looking for a job or not making any money for anything wasn't looking for anything and 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 uh you know he he basically said you know if you could paint a picture of of what you would need now to connect with and 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 the beginning had no idea of even starting you know me i just thought i was going to help this guy create a company and my dealership was going to sell more cars Mm. from it so so that was the intent and and you know every business has right now with 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 business pretty much other than obviously we won't get it but you know the the airline business and others but 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 car sales right now are, are through the roof right and quite frankly um dealers cannot effectively uh, reach out and touch as many people as they have leads coming in. Leads aren't an mm. issue. It's communicating with those leads. And I've said for six years, and I've said it even before that, um, that all car sales start with conversation. You've got to have a conversation. So when we started throwing these ideas out and how to communicate with customers in such a way, you know, that they felt compelled to come to your dealership, you know, a couple months later, we had this initial conversation. A couple months later, he came back and he came back with an app first. And mm. I was like, this guy's the real deal because this is the coolest app I've ever seen. Long story short, uh, we, 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 without giving you all the dirty details, we ended up that, hey, we have to communicate. So let's, let's add a chat button. Let's actually put it on a website. So we actually put it on our store uh, here in Atlanta. And I saw how consumers responded to it. And I was like, mm. wow, we are on to something here. Because at the time, no, not any industry, no industry uh, was communicating with chat or text by sending a video within the chat, by sending a brochure, sending a side-by-side, you know, if the customer's looking at a Toyota versus a Honda versus a Chevy or whatever, sending a side-by-side. Nobody was doing that. So when we came out with that, customers on the other end were like, oh, wow. And our, and our show percentage started to go through the roof. And that's when we, we and I knew, wow, this is, uh, we, are, we are really onto something here. And I think what's interesting to note, so again, I want to extract something from this great information. You came into a market that had already existed, right? The chat market, you weren't the first to market in your industry with chat. What you were able to do, right, was to come at it from a different perspective to improve that process. Is that accurate? That's correct. Improve, excuse me, the conversation, the richness of the conversation and making that customer feel special. 
And uh, that's exactly what we did because until us, that that, that actually that, that was not happening. It was just what's your name, what's your number, when can you come? Yeah. Ideal. And, and for those of you that are out there listening, and you're you're potentially in that product industry or in that SaaS, you've got some type of SaaS product or service that you're working on. You know, uh, keep in mind it's not always about reinventing the wheel itself, right? It can be about enhancing it. So many people I know out there are saying, "Hey, you know." I got to create some segment that doesn't exist anymore so we can build this billion dollar company. But sometimes improving the mousetrap, as they say, uh, there's, there's just as much opportunity because what's remarkable is looking at that year over year growth that I was talking about when you, um, when, when I was introing you, that market is coming from, right. It's, it's the speed at, in your case, auto dealers, the speed at which new dealers are coming up is not, that doesn't move fast at all. So now this is about market share. So what becomes remarkable is the ability, right, to scale. That business is coming from somewhere, right? So that is other competitors whose products are not delivering at the technological value or even the presentation, right, to your credit from a sales perspective that you're able to pull that market share. So that's pretty remarkable. What what do you think as part of that sales process for my sales entrepreneurs out here and, and people that are on that side, what do you think has contributed to that type of growth that you've been having? Well, there, there's no question on what is contributing to that. And, and, and hopefully, I don't want to come across overly pious here, but I really want to be very clear on this next statement because I don't care what industry you're in. This, this mm. works about what I'm getting ready to tell you. We like to say, well, it, it's definitely about our team. It's cre- everybody talks about culture. Everybody talks about, everybody talks about it. Very seldom is a culture created within an organization. You've got to create a culture to where um, I, I always tell people there are two things that kill any business. Mm. And it's two words. Number one, it's insecurity. And number two, pride. Mm. When your people, your people, I don't care what level they're being hired at, need to know if I do a great job, the sky's the limit at this company. And are we perfect? Absolutely not. We want to stay. I don't care how much success the world says we have, you know, with, with all the awards, we, we, we're happily, we're the most awarded, period, in the communication right. and digital retailing space. We're always working on something better. And I would argue that I do believe our software where is better than the rest of the field, but we always tell ourselves as leadership, we really believe that we could take our competitors' product and we'd still beat them mm. because it's our team. For example, Corey, and I believe that. It, for example, if you go to driving sales right now, which is a uh, basically a, 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 you, can, you can comment on different products and stuff in our automotive industry, something that is unique, at least in the segment that we are, not only do we get good reviews, you're going to start reading stories. It's about our people. Mm. Lindsay Donahue did this. Aaron Baldwin did this. Not only am I up 23%, but this is what happened. I called them at 11 o'clock on a Saturday because I know they're on the East Coast and I'm in California and they answered and they had. So creating a servant mentality, mm. creating a mentality that everybody on your team and, and not a dictatorship, but truly staying humble letting your people know that we're growing very fast. And if you uh, do a great job, the sky's the limit. And being a, I get emotional thinking about it because being able to provide an environment to where we're helping so many families and, and they're enriching their lives because they do affect, nobody ever has to say, hey, look what I've done at our company because we've right. layered it in such a way and built such a culture that 
it magnifies itself. And we're growing in such a way that those same people are now, you know, are now given the opportunity to be promoted and make more money and so on and so forth. But it, it is absolutely about, I don't care if you're selling pencils at the stadium or whatever you're selling, it's about customer service. It's about serving the dealer. And even when you mess up and people mess up and we mess up weekly, there's a, a bum rush. There's three, four, five phone calls jumping on, making sure that we fix whatever it is for the dealer to where the, the experience that they get with us is not even close to everywhere else. That's how we've scaled because then they yeah. go to their 20 group, then they get on and, and they go to their blogs and they do those other stuff. And that's how to scale a business. Provide such a service that it distances you no matter what the product is. Right. So I want to break that. I want to talk about that culture in a minute. I want to go back to this partnership piece and just get you to drill down for me. What, what do you think uh, makes for ideal partnerships or great partnerships when you think about the landscape of uh, of this idea of having, regardless of what the, regardless if it's 50, 50 or 49, 51, forget control and the technical aspects of, uh, you know, legal aspects of a business structure. I'm talking about people where, where regardless you're counting on, you, you have a relationship that now counts on decision-making that counts on some yin and yang. What is your advice to people who are either considering partnerships or, or what makes a good partnership in your eyes? Trust, understanding that there's several lanes, understanding that, you know, we live in a world where it's, it's look at me, look at me, look at me, especially when you're a quote unquote co-founder or part of a founding team, right? Mm-hmm. So having the humility to understand that someone's better than you in some aspect and being okay with it and just staying in your lane, mm-hmm. right? That is the key, you know, partnerships and human, you know, humi- I really believe humility. Well, let's, let's go back to, you know, the, the whole insecurity and pride. Humility is a key here. Understand, do, do you truly want what's best for the company and for the partnership, because there's so many companies where people have a little success and then the, the, they get a little day in the sun and the spotlight, then it becomes mm. all about them. Mm. And therefore, you know, then people in the background, your partner as well, they start talking or what, who does he or she think they are, but mm. it's all about humility being understand that everyone in that partnership has a role and, and being okay with that. And that's where I see, and not just with our company, I've seen some other companies that are fabulous at this too, um, but that's where I see rapid growth and that's where I see strength and, and having, because there's been, you, you, you've talked to enough entrepreneurs, there's a, you could do, you know, six months on bad partnerships, uh, right. but all those bad partnerships, I would argue, Corey, when you drill down into the person, if they're honest, it goes back to some sort of pride and some sort of you know, look at me mentality versus I understand you're better than that. And being able to duplicate yourself, right? I had to go through that when it was just right. four, four of us, then it became five of us, then it became six of us. You know, I was doing all the demos. Right. Um, and then Aaron, you know, Aaron Baldwin, who you may know, he does a, a Ask Aaron blog, does it fabulous, very bright, you know, allowing him to do some of the demos. I had to let go. Then I was like, oh, crap, you know, he actually <laughs> is better than me. And letting, you know, right. and, and, and then duplicate, you know what I mean? But having the, the humility to be able to grow and understanding that certain people are better and being okay with somebody getting the spotlight or the day of the sun, as long as the company gets better daily, that's all that yeah. can matter. Well, and, and I'm assuming you would probably agree that you, you, you know, mentioned Andy and skill set plays a role, right? To say, Hey, you know what? I, I, I might be strong on sales, but uh, you know, the technical aspects of this, you know, have at it, right? This is, this is your area of strength. Do you think, do you think having opposing skill sets 
brings value to a partnership versus right we've got three founders where we all skew you know di on the on the on the scale and we're all you know extroverts and you know life of the party kind of people right versus having that yin and yang to say you know what we've got an introvert over here who's great at operations and then we have our di personalities what role do you think the opposites factor has in that process I think it's huge because, you know, me personally, I know my weaknesses. You know, I'm smart enough to know that I'm not strong. I'm not building any code, right? Right. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I I may see something some way, but I thought I'll I'll go this a a step further. Um, You know, if if ever there's a big meeting or or we're talking to a particular OEM and we have now 19 OEM partners that we have a, a strategic partnership with, but, you know, I'll even send an email to Andy and say, hey, you know, how does this sound? Or how would you check? You know what I mean? Just yeah. to check it. I have no problem yeah. telling you that yeah. because he may see something because you always, you know, every single email, every single text before I hit send, young people listening, before you hit send, you have <laughs> got to see what, because there's no emotion in it. There's no right. emotion in the email. There's no emotion in the text. What is this going to sound like? Or what are they going to think on the other end of that? So, so he definitely, to me, is very quiet done very well, you know, graduated from Yale with the, with the, you know, tough business schools done very well. He's an academic. So me, I'm, you know, let's, I see the problem. I'm going to charge hell with a squirt gun. I'm going to, I'm going to run through that wall. <laughs> I mean, I'm just telling you, you, yeah, can, yeah. you can tell Andy's like, Hey, pump the brakes. We need to look at this angle, this angle. So I would almost argue that you have to, yes. uh, you know, opposites attract in marriage. They say opposites yeah. attract. They have to, you have to have the yin and yang mentality, you know, even though this seems right, Let's look at every angle and look at every possible outcome before we move forward with X, Y, or Z. Yeah, yeah. Let's pivot here. I want to talk about. I want to talk about this idea of scaling. Right? People love this word, scaling, scaling, scaling. I'm not. It, it, it's value. I mean, it's a real word, so it's not. It's not like transparency, like you know, where people love to overuse words. But scaling is just a hot word in, in in terms of growth, and that's something that you've had to have a realization on. How have you managed? And, and you know, thinking back to when there were you know twenty people or ten people, what are the thoughts that you have about managing a scaling process, particularly when it comes to hyper growth? Like we have a client who has a lab they open the lab and they open the lab in brooklyn new york i want you to think about that for a second and they opened it this year and what they thought was going to happen was they would be a lab and they would do you know a few dollars uh you know they'd have a seven figure year doing a few things and then this little thing called COVID came and all of a sudden they started doing five thousand covid tests a week and what they thought was going to happen or a day it might be actually and everything that they thought was going to happen in a year in terms of revenue in terms of those things was happening every month and you know it went from 10 to 15 people to 150 people right and that happened in a short period of time now you might not have experienced the same same level of growth within months but certainly the ramp up period over your your year over year growth has been impressive what advice do you have from people when it comes to that scaling hyper growth kind of conversation when it's not purely, you know, organic where you can control it? Well, you got to be able to, you know, we were different in the space because we delivered a product and those, those products delivered uh, certain results and those, those results 
uh, but, but our people also delivered a type of service, right? Mm. Uh, I won't mention any names, but in our automotive space, there are several companies that are known by, oh, well, this such and such company grew so thick and then their customer, their, their customer service went to crap or, or, right. or whatever. And that's You've common across the segment. That's common uh, across yeah, the business segment, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They, they, yeah. they grow or they got acquired by this company and the service went to crap. And, you know, so we really wanted to make sure. And again, I'm not saying we're perfect. We deal with these, these, these daily challenges and weekly challenges. But for the most part, we wanted to first make sure that our product, you know, if, if, I, if I was a baker and I baked the best, you know, cinnamon rolls within, in mm -hmm, the street and they were mm -hmm. got so good. And, you know, and then I, I'm opening another store. I got to make sure that what I'm delivering in across town tastes just as good as, as my bakery. Right. So yeah. that's the first thing is when you scale, you got to make sure that you're not scaling so fast that the product dilutes itself. So once right. we did that, and so what we did was every time, you know, we started here in Atlanta, Georgia, but every time we'd scale or, and then we went into the Northeast because we had a, a consultant that had a big footprint in the New Jersey and New York area. But when we, every time we'd get an extra 15 or 20 dealers, we'd add somebody, we'd add a performance mm. and, 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 and then we'd scale and depending on the market, we just didn't haphazardly start hiring people and say, okay, ready, break. We're going to go, you know, crush the market. Number one, financially, we wanted to make sure that it was viable for that person to be there. But yeah. once we scaled it, we were adding people accordingly and making sure, have we missed on some hires? Yes. But making sure our hiring process that we met people uh, in person. Uh, back when you could do that. And we, right. and we all, every person, every department head talked to that person. And if one person had anything, it wasn't all in on that person, we didn't hire them. No questions asked. Uh, if one person said, ah, well, I got this thought, we just didn't hire them. And, hmm. and, and that has been for the most part, you know, uh, for the most part, I mean, if it was something very, very, you know, but, but, but we wanted to make sure that uh, we were all in agreement on particular people to fit the, you know, our Carnell family. Cause it was, the culture was important. You know, we've turned people down. We've had people call, especially during COVID people that were, were with their companies that were the, the top salespeople in the whole state, in the whole region mm, mm. that we have not, we have uh, not talked to. They're great people, but we haven't talked to because maybe so, we felt they, they would, they would, you know, the culture is the main thing that they would, they would, you know, so I want to, this is, this is, this is great. I want to follow up on this right now because you're getting to something that I think is so important from the standpoint of sales in particular. I talk to 12 to 20 business owners a week in our program as it relates to our prospecting people who are considering working with us. I'm considering working with them 12 to 20 of these business owners every week. And I have to tell you how many people who are founders, um, who have maybe have a great product or service, but they're not quote unquote salespeople. How many of them, their greatest wish is simply that they can just hire these magical salespeople who are going to come in and solve all of their sales revenue problems. And I want to see if you agree with me on what I'm getting ready to say here. And oftentimes, they're not, they're disregarding culture. They're disregarding what they want the company to be or their mission. It's just, I just want to find people who can sell. And that will, Corey, that will solve everything. I, I, we've built this great app. We've built this great software. We've built this great physical product. And I just need the right people who can, who, who can sell anything, right? And that's such a mistake. And I think you just hit on it. And I just want you to pick back up on that point there because, 
bringing in people who, yes, can sell or have a track record, of course, of selling doesn't mean they're going to do it potentially in a way that fits what you envision. So what do you say to people who are thinking that just uh, an ice to an Eskimo, water to a whale salesperson is the answer to their to growing revenue? I mean, we have those those ice to Eskimo salespeople, but at the same time, they have big hearts. They're 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 they're, they're humble and they're, they're team players, right? Um, what right, you they don't fit want, your culture. They they fit the culture absolutely. What you don't want is that the, the uh, I'm gonna say it again: that big ego, that big prideful person um, that has prima done Donna? so well How about prima that, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, you know, they come in and they demand X. And, and historically, you know, we've learned this process. You know, when we were trying to grow, um, we haven't been, you know, wisdom comes with, with, with age and learning and, right. and, and, and right. failing at things. You know, we, in the very beginning, you know, hey, this person demands X. And, we, and every time we've done that, it has, let me say this really, really clear. It has never hmm. worked out, ever. So, so that was only a handful of times. So therefore, way back when we said, you know what, you know, it, unless they really fit the mold of, you know, uh, teamwork, uh, being able to take instruction, even though they've got all these accolades, um, right, you know, that was right. the biggest thing. Because you know how hard it is to keep that same type of uh, culture in your workplace when you've got 200 plus employees across 50 states. Yeah, especially that that don't come together. You know, we have an annual meeting before COVID. We're obviously not going to do it this year, right. um, where we bring everybody in and, and everybody gets to meet. And hey, I've been talking to you for eight months, and I've never met. It's great to put a name with a face. We're not doing that. So, so to be able to create that with the multiple zooms and the multiple calls, uh, it all starts with a hiring process on the type of DNA that you're hiring, um, and that's why it's so important because I might not see. Uh, you know, Lexus did a, a, back in 2007, I had the privilege uh, when I was with the Lexus dealership to be on a, what they called the Innovation Council. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I took the, 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 they said, no one's smarter than everyone. And, uh, and no one's smarter than everyone. And, and their idea was the, the person changing oil or the receptionist, they see things that yeah. you don't see as a manager. Mm-hmm. So therefore, let's put uh, the custodian, let's put the, the technician, let's put the, all these people and create one voice on what they see and holistically change the innovation of our brand and of our dealership. And we took the same aspect. Let's listen to everyone, no matter if they're the, the you know, may, maybe not as compensated like, like the top people in the company, but let's listen to everyone because they see things differently. Again, you know, we start doing well in sales or whatever. We, we, we start thinking we're the smartest person in the room. And as soon as anyone starts thinking, they're the smartest person in the room. That's when your culture starts to change. So, so let, let I'm going to keep that going because this is great information here. The what do you say to the situations? Because you hear this often, right? Early on, early stage, quote unquote, startup mode. You know, this place used to be so cool. This place used to be so down yeah. to earth. We had access to the owners. We could, you know, we we could we could share. We didn't feel anything. Now, because we're hundreds of employees, thousands of employees. Now it's so corporate. What do you think happens in when cultures change like that? It, what part of that do you think is is just such as life, as they say, right? It just, things have to, you can't operate the same when there's 10 or 15 of you, you know, working together collectively as 200 or 2,000. 
What are the things that you think are just kind of just part of what happens when you grow versus the things that you really have an opportunity to control? Well, I, I can't speak for other companies because I, I don't want to judge anyone because I, I can't say, well, they didn't do this or they didn't do that. I, I'll tell you what, uh, just getting busy, you know, you know, you get busy and you lose sight and, and you know, you, you used to have a hundred dealerships. Now you've got 4,500 dealerships all over the country in all 50 States. And you just, and you got, you know, 18, 19 OEM partners and you've got, you know, it's like spinning plates, right? Uh, I will tell you that strategically um, using technology, uh, encouraging your people. I know Andy and, 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 other members of our, our, our founding team do this as well. I love to just send quick notes, text messages, not emails, text messages to individuals, especially when they're either having a bad month or they're having a great month. Hey, listen, I just want to let you know how much we are so thankful for you. And we are so proud of you because let me tell you something. When I would, and, and Peter Hennessy, I, in fact, he, he owned the dealership group that I left. I had the privilege of, of spending about 30 minutes with Peter uh, last week as we're doing some other things with his dealership. And I just want, I just wanted to thank him for, for, you know, when, when your boss or an owner speaks into your life that way mm. and says, Hey, I just want to encourage you. I just want to thank you in the middle of, you know, 4,500 dealerships in the middle of, you know, all these speaking obligations in the middle of all these conferences that they took the time to think about me and encourage me. I'm just telling you personally, when I got that feedback from my boss, it encouraged right. me. Therefore, I wanted to run through a wall. It's not strategic to where, okay, we have to send this many texts. It's tr I can honestly tell you, Corey, it's truly heartfelt. I love these people. These people do a fabulous job, and I'm going to encourage them every single time that they can. Because if you do that, some, I had an old general manager tell me one time, son, if, you're, if your soldiers' bellies are full and their feet are dry, they'll fight for you. And I really believe in, in, with text messages and the way we can just send short little notes, just the encouragement that I've got even back from them, but from their immediate manager, their director will call me and say, hey, so-and-so said you sent them a text. Wow, they're through the moon or, or whatever. Yeah. Not that, you know, I'm not trying to say, I'm, you know, I send you a text. You know what I mean? No, no, but, 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 just, but it's, it's sometimes it's a little – no, you're, you're in your humble approach to, to stating this. It's not about you. – I think the message that you're sending is sometimes it's the little things that matter most. I, uh, it's, it's the little I, things that matter the majority of the time. Yeah. I keep a. I'm I'm, pull, I'm I'm actually looking at. I keep a voicemail. I want. I just want to see the date on this here. I keep a voicemail from a guy. This voicemail is seven years old, and it's a guy who worked for me when uh, when we were running some. Uh, you talk about OEMs when we were running a corporate program for Audi. It was a guy that worked for me. Um, he's now works for the manufacturer and has been there a while. We helped him. We helped place him when he was transitioning to go into that role. I kept this voicemail that he left me from seven years ago. I'm looking at it right now. And this is a grown man. You know, he, 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 Ed is probably, yeah. Ed is probably in his sixties. Now he, he worked for me probably five, six years ago. Um, so he was in his mid fifties, grown man, right, with children in college, children out of the house. And that voicemail talks about, and again, I'm not, I'm like you, I'm not saying this cause I'm so great, but talks about in his total career, of, of, of working. So a guy who's worked for 40 years, right. That his time with me as an employer was one of the best times that he ever had in terms of the care that we took 
for the people working for us, um, knowing when their children's birthdays were and acknowledging that and sending cards to their children. Because it's not that hard to do in a technological world, right? You put the date in the computer yep. and the thing sends yep. it out. So these aren't, these aren't extra, you know, this isn't a full-time job that somebody has to take on. But I, I, I carry that voicemail around with me. I've had it for seven years. I hope I never lose it because it was one of those moments that you want to keep with you because he remembered that and he didn't have to send me that message. And we had a great, you know, relationship and he's went on to do good things, but it, it, it was, it was, that was all little things. That wasn't about how much money he made with me or how much we paid him. That was not the context, the context of remembering that opportunity. And if I needed something from him or there was an opportunity that I need to be, you know, t- keyed in on, I could call him. He'll take that call. And I think he would do anything to help. And I think that's the point you were making is is the impact on culture becomes the impact on care. And you actually I'm surprised you haven't said it yet. You have a word that I love. It's not my person. It's not I, it's not a, love a it word. on people. Yeah. You knew what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because and I, I always re- will always remember you for that because it was the first you're the first person I ever heard say it. But I always think of that is you said it, you know, loving on people and. Yep. I just thought that was super, uh, just a super interesting approach to have. In, in today's world, you know, yeah, they uh, they wrote a song about it back in the '60s. What the world <laughs> needs now more than anything, you know, we need yeah. to heal and and, yeah. and and we need love, man. And, and and at the end of the day, that's it. Not not gushy stuff, but but yep. Yep. True, truthfully, I mean, just understanding. You, you got to understand, even when people don't think like you do, you know, there's a reason. You know, everybody's mm. journey, uh, everybody's path. People, people. Mm. I, and I am definitely not getting into politics, but, but, but politically, they vote the way they do. They act the way they do because something happened in their life to make them think that. Why would we discredit that? Why wouldn't we listen? And why, don't we, why wouldn't we try to learn from it? If we truly want right. every day, Corey, I want to be a better daddy than I was the day before. I want to be a better husband than I was the, the day before. Yeah. And I want to be a better uh, leader in the space, in the automotive space, a better entrepreneur, a better business, whatever you want to say. I want, we need to take just as human beings, when we start taking care of our individual, everything else manifests itself through that. Mm. Our business looks different. Our communication looks different. The people with the wrong guy you didn't vote for bumper sticker that cuts you off in the middle of the road, that looks different. Everything looks different when we look at life through that lens as Mm. I want to get better today than I was yesterday. And if I can just, you know, allow me to be the hands and feet that, that encourages someone today and this isn't hoity-toity. I'm just telling you. Um, right. When we do that and we work on the inside, every, and we truly do it, not just lip service, but we truly have a heart that we're right. going to get better. We're going to make people better every day. And we truly think that's on the inside. Then the rest of this stuff, the partnerships, everything that you've talked about, the partnerships, the ego goes away, the pride goes away, the insecurity goes away. All that stuff goes away, and it's just your business is better, your family is better, and everything else just falls right in line. Yeah, I love it. If you had to think, Tim, about uh, your craziest entrepreneurship moment over these past years, what what comes to mind? Crazy. Um, and it could be crazy, good, uh, crazy, bad. I mean, I I know something. I know a few things that have. Ha- I know things. A few things that have happened to you that 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 you know are, were crazy. Have been crazy these past years. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you what you should say. But if you just think of <laughs> crazy moments. Or a crazy moment that pops out of you during your entrepreneurship, you know, career here, and it could be personal. It could be everything. It could be anything you want. What what comes to mind? You know, the first thing is is just making the jump in general. 
You know, yeah. the craziest thing was I had, a, you know, my backstory is, you know, this is uh, 2013, Andy walked in, 2014, you know, uh, December of 2014 now. So it's technically 2015, I guess. But December, I mean, I was the only, I mean, it was just four, four guys. And in December, mm. it was four guys. And, and we made the decision. And my daughter uh, was starting college in the fall, right? And, and my son was four years behind. And what I didn't know is, is my wife was obviously a little nervous and, 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 you know, calling my sister-in-law and, you know, and talking, you know, Tim's doing this. Cause I, look at, at the, I, we had a pretty good lifestyle yeah. and uh, to, to, to leave with, with zero, let me say that again, zero paying customers, right? but just knowing in my gut what I, the reaction and knowing that, um, you know, at the word, you, you always ask yourself, what's the worst thing that can happen? You know, right. if I make this move, the worst two, two things. The worst thing that can happen is I don't do this. Andy partners with somebody else, and it blows up, and I, it's not. You know, I'm thinking about it the rest of my life. It, it's always that what if. You know, right. I would rather tried and lost than not tried at all. And in a sense, you know, not being prideful, but I, I was a pretty good car guy. I am a pretty good car guy, and if it blew up, then I could go get a. I I I'd, I'd get another car job. Not that the car. I mean, I love I love what I did. So right. that was probably the craziest thing. Having all these financial you know, things on me and just saying, you know what, let's go. And we, and we jumped and, uh, you know, we've been very fortunate, very blessed and the rest is history. Well, and I think, I think there's an interesting lesson uh, of much of what you said, but I think there's an interesting lesson there too for everybody. You don't have to hate what you're doing now no, to right. make that decision or to look at an opportunity. So many people talk about, you know, I, I didn't, you know, I, I just couldn't work for anybody else. I couldn't stand it anymore or, or that type of thing. So folks, it's not always <laughs> that scenario, right? It's not always this, just, I got to go do something. You weren't, you know, uh, under the influence of Percocet or whatever it was or not, right. Right. you weren't looking for anything that day. You weren't saying how underpaid you were. Cause that's so much of the community. I see so much of that, right? You know, job is uh, job stands for just over broken. So much of that is out there to, as a rallying cry for people to potentially leave your jobs and to start businesses as a means to make more money than they're making now, or as a means to correct financial disadvantages or whatever, versus you could be making plenty of money, be successful through whatever that means to you and have all these things going well and still make a decision or look for an opportunity. So it doesn't always have to be something where, you know, well, Corey, I, I don't hate what I'm doing now. So does that mean I'm not going to be a good entrepreneur? I shouldn't go for it. So I think that was just, I think that was a point I just wanted to make there. Any, anything to add to that before we uh, no. switch to, uh, to our rapid fire section? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I would argue that, that my passion for the automotive space actually enhanced what we were doing. And, um, but I, I came to a point where I, I saw customers react and I said, you know, I want to make a difference. And, and I'm a student of John Maxwell and, and John Maxwell's leadership mm. books and so on and so forth. But, but that's something that we have, you talk about building culture. That's, that's something yeah. that, you know, there's four things uh, that we um, try to build into our people that, and then our, some of our people just already, you know, most of them already come with. And number one, we're going to serve our dealers. But, but, but John Maxwell always says this, he says, you got to decide that I want to make a difference. And I knew that I could make a difference. We, Carnell, the company, we could make a difference in how dealers were communicating with their customers. I want to make a difference, number two, with people that make a difference. Mm. Uh, number three, doing something that makes a difference. 
Mm -hmm. uh, Corey, over the last year, you, you talk about, you know, I, 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 I lean toward the spiritual often, but, but we, were, we weren't selling software this year. We were selling hope. We allowed dealers to stay alive and sell and service automobiles and, and set up technology to where people could sell cars even when salespeople were not in the stores. You talk about fulfilling. You talk about, you know, really serving and allowing people to open. General managers calling from New York when they were completely shut down, thanking us because they were selling cars. That is something. So, so, so I want to make a difference with people that want to make a difference doing something that makes a difference. And I think that is the key. Oh man, that was great. That was that was a nice little segue to our entrepreneurship rapid fire section. Tim, this is an opportunity uh -oh. for our viewers, our viewers, for our listeners to get uh, get some insights into what makes you tick as an entrepreneur. It's nine questions. You're gonna answer oh, just what what comes to you, uh, <laughs> and we're gonna go from there. Are you ready? Yeah, I feel like I'm on the hot seat of some game show, but uh, <laughs> yes, uh, the yes. Corey Mosley show does not uh, accept or deny or agree with uh, the words that are going to come out of Ted's mouth. Okay, no, go no, ahead, this, Corey. This is the easy part. All right, question okay. one, PC or Mac? Oh, Mac, whole company. What's your favorite credit card right now to uh, run your business? Uh, Amex. Physical planner or digital planner? Uh, digital. Favorite software right now to manage your business? Uh, as far as our, uh, our, our, our CRM, is that the question? Yeah. What, whatever your go-to, you know, for, okay. Zendesk. Great. Got it. Starbucks, Duncan or other. Duncan. Duncan. Duncan's been making a good comeback here lately on the show. Yep. Uh, yeah. 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 When it comes to like thanking people, thank you card or thank you email. Uh, handwritten, handwritten. Thank you card. Back to that personal touch. Back to that text. Thank you. Handwritten nice. card. When it comes to learning, hardcover book, tablet, or audiobook? Um, both, or a hardcover book, but lately uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm audio because I spend a lot of time in the car still. So presently yeah. I'm reading Talking to Strangers from uh, Malcolm Gladwell. Nice. What's your next big goal? Our next big goal. I can't tell you that because then people will know uh, <laughs> what we're doing. No, what's your uh, next, next big? big what's, what's your next big goal? I, <laughs> to uh, launch my uh, clandestine my next, project. <laughs> okay, my next my next big goal is is family oriented. Uh, my daughter's getting ready to uh, graduate medical school. My son is uh, got two Beautiful. years upcoming, two years left in business school, and uh, family is is number one important to me. And and uh, again, like we said, being a good daddy and and being able to provide that for them, I'm, I'm most excited about next in our journey together. That's awesome. Last question. One day with any mentor who's still alive, who would that person be? Who's still alive. You're going to get, you're going to get me choked up one day with any mentor that's still alive. I, I would have to say, uh, in so person, like a, not someone that I read from afar or somebody you're one, talking about something that's still alive and that knows one day, one day with any mentor who's still alive, who would that be? I'd have to say Ed Fetterman. Ed, Ed Fetterman is uh, uh, he's a dear friend. He was who is it? His name is Ed Fetterman. Okay. Um, probably had one of the biggest impacts on my life when I was a salesperson. And um, and Ed is uh, it was a general manager. Ed I think is seventy five or so now, but had the privilege to spend a little time with him. But just so many little one liners, so much wisdom. Uh, that I learned from Ed, you, you know, you're talking about a personal touch, but uh, I, I'd like to hang out with, with old Ed again. Nice. All right. 
we're at the end. We're at the time of the show, Tim, where you have an opportunity to go into the Hall of Fame or the Hall of Shame. We're going oh, wow. to ask you our entrepreneurship trivia question. And I'm going to tell you, I didn't want to add any pressure, but this season, people you have been have, doing... You couldn't have just told me about this before, so I look real smart. <laughs> yeah, I have to tell you, people have been doing very well this season and getting this right. So I don't want any added pressure, uh, but, but, uh, uh, but, but, but it, the good news is it's multiple choice and you've got a 33% chance of getting it right. So, mm-hmm. are you ready for your question? Not really, but you're going to ask me anyway. Yes. Well, who said the following? Oh, Use Lord. only that which works and take it from any place you could find it. Here are your options. A, Bruce Lee. B, Steve Jobs. C, Larry Ellison. Wow. Uh, Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs, is that your final answer? Sure, Corey. Tim Cox will be joining, unfortunately, the Hall of Shame <laughs> on the show today. I haven't even read two of his books. Oh, love, Lord. Love, love you as I do. The correct answer, you should have been looking for an outlier here. The correct answer yeah. was A, Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee. Okay. He, he actually said that. Yeah, he actually said okay. that. Well, I appreciate you making me feel stupid, and, and all over the country, people think I'm stupid now, so I appreciate that, Corey. <laughs> Not stupid. You're just in the hall of shame. It's completely different. <sighs> now, now, I want to give you an opportunity to redeem yourself, not with another question, but you're going to have to give my audience. I need one of these impressions that you do. Before. I cannot let you off okay. of the show. Who do you, who do you want? Who, who do you want? Well, you do Shrek. You who are the ones you do? Shrek? I like, I like, I like, you hear that? She called me a steed. I'm a stallion, baby. You hear that? We could set up all that tail of man of stores, and in the morning, I could go whop them. Quiet, donkey. You're going the right way for a smack bottom. You hear that? I'm a real boy. I mean, what else do you need? <laughs> you good? <laughs> I, lo- I love it. These are all the people I talk to in my head, so you're going you're yes. to have your, your listeners, uh, Really skeptical about myself and car now. So I, I appreciate you, you know, letting people see that side of me, Corey. I, I, I really do. <laughs> Tim Cox, co-founder, car now. Thank you for joining the show, buddy. I appreciate you. Thank you, my friend. Love you. Appreciate you. As I close out today's episode, I'm asking that you subscribe to the podcast to get the latest episodes as soon as they are released. As always, if you like what you're hearing, please leave a review. If not, just keep it to yourself. And if you've heard something today that can help someone you know, then I encourage you to share it. Finally, if you're a business owner that is ready to become a fearless entrepreneur, then head over to my website, fearlesswithcorey.com, to learn about the most comprehensive business growth support system for entrepreneurs on the planet. I'm Corey Mosley, and this has been another episode of the Fearless Entrepreneurship Podcast. Thank you for listening, and I will see you next week.